all talk, all the time. This is TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the power vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of healthcare each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, they say it's one way to attract women to breast cancer screenings. Mammogram Partners. Apparently, Florida Radiology Imaging Center in Orlando is throwing refreshment-laden free manicure and pedicure mammogram parties to draw women in for their breast cancer screening. It's all about the power of our plate and knowing not only from where our food originates, just how safe is that food. Ann Dietrich joining us today, the executive director of the campaign to label genetically engineered foods. Craig Winter, the founder of the campaign working to pass legislation to label genetically engineered food. What is it? Why do you care? What can you do about it? We're talking about the safety of the power of our plate right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, they say that time is ticking away. It's time to get started. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, they believe it took almost 40 years to start to change our smoking habits, our use of tobacco, and we have to launch with the same vigor a campaign against obesity. It's all thanks to the Obesity Society's annual meeting that's being held in New Orleans. I know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, But we certainly know that our widening girth is responsible, linked to hormonal imbalances, inflammation, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, an increased risk of cancer, arthritis, just a host of, uh, of conditions that related to obesity and that we need to do something. So why it took a generation or two to turn cigarette smoking around, they say the time to start is now with the same vigor as the anti-smoking campaign and anti-fat campaign. Well, they say it will be a further blow to the top-selling diabetes drug of Vondia, but the Food and Drug Administration is pushing for a black box warning. Uh, Avandi already has a strong warning about um, the increasing the risk of heart failure, but they want a warning for increasing the risk of heart attacks as well. What is pretty amazing is that often these warnings are given short shrift, but with Avandia posting global sales of $3.24 billion last year, uh, a lot of people are taking Avandia. And according to some of the recently published studies, a lot of people are increasing their risk of heart attack and heart failure unwittingly. And of course, we know that there is a fallacy with just 
following the blood sugar number, given the use of these uh, diabetic drugs. So it'll uh, it'll be closely watched by Wall Street. Food and Drug Administration wanting an additional black box warning on Glaxo's Avandia anti-diabetes drug. Well, this is quite interesting. In fact, we find the whole profession, the specialty of anesthesiology, uh, many of those members are intrigued about hypnosis. In fact, some of our nation's top anesthesiologists are doing very interesting studies about hypnosis um, in the whole specter of hospital care, pain management, uh, surgery, now, according to a study from Mount Sinai School of Medicine, recently published in the Journal of the National Cancer Institute, giving breast cancer patients a session of hypnosis before they have surgery has a, an amazing effect. They have less pain, less nausea, less fatigue in the emergency room. In fact, their surgical costs were far less than people who were not hypnotized. They say there's something that that literally not only worries the mind but traumatizes your body when you undergo any surgical procedure, much less breast cancer procedure. And they believe that giving breast cancer patients hypnosis before they have surgery can not only help them feel better, have less pain and nausea and fatigue after the surgery, but actually reduce the cost of the procedure. And we're at the point in this country where we have to start thinking about the cost of health care, which appears to go only in one direction up. So if a session of hypnosis before breast cancer surgery makes a difference, I think a lot more uh, physicians will be paying close attention. Well, speaking of money, this is just eye-opening information. Coming from the American Cancer Society, their deputy chief medical officer, indicates that it can cost more than a million dollars to give a lung cancer patient an additional one year of life. And the overall survival from lung cancer has not increased significantly. A million dollars for an additional one year of life. Of course, when we talk about cancer here on the air, we always encourage you to know what all of your treatment options are, both conventional and alternative, there are services that offer you uh, those types of, of, of uh, you know, opinion reports, uh, objective reports on what exactly are your treatment options, what are the science, what are the success, what are the complications, uh, sites like cancerdecisions.com. And then you know, delve into the whole world of nutritional oncology that we now know that if you optimize your lifestyle, including exercise, minding the, the, the weight, your nutritional status in particular, that not only can you improve the outcome, you can diminish the side effects as well. With groundbreaking uh, uh, researchers in this arena from Dr. Charles Simone, who recently published a two-part series of articles that you could improve the outcome of chemotherapy and radiation by combining it with nutrition, diminishing the side effects to great books written on the topic by Dr. Patrick Quillen, Dr. Charles Simone, um, Dr. Kadar Prasad, the University of Colorado, because more dollars don't boost lung cancer survival, according to the American Cancer Society. Well, it's all about taking those troubles to heart. University of Utah 
indicates when married couples lose it, lose their cool, it takes not only a toll on their emotional health, but also their physical heart health as well. They found that, that for women, hostility is the culprit, that women who were hostile in disagreements with their spouses actually had more measurable hardening of the arteries and for men hardening the arteries was much more common when they either uh, uh, acted with their wife in a controlling manner that we know that those molecules of emotion have very real chemical effects and um, <laughs> this presentation of research out of Ohio State University at the American Psychosomatic Society's annual meeting indicating that uh, the damage uh, that's wrought depends on how you lose your temper, according to one of the leaders of the study, who is a professor of psychology at the University of Utah. So just to keep in mind, women who become hostile in arguments take a much greater physical toll on their heart health, men who act in a controlling manner the same. The fact of the matter is, is that emotional outbursts are linked to uh, the increase of more pro-inflammatory chemicals, cytokines, and of course inflammation is not good for the health of your heart. So, <laughs> have to learn to uh, disagree in a manner that um, certainly is a little bit easier on the health of your heart. Well, speaking of which, uh, here's an interesting study taking a look at women and their diets and their weight. What they found is that women who ate three or more servings of yogurt, uh, we hope it's active culture yogurt that's not rich in sugar, uh, over a two-week period actually had a lower body mass index than women who did not consume yogurt. But I think, of course, the take-home message is, is that it's everything in moderation. You need to optimize your nutrients in a nutrient-dense diet. If you eat grains, eat whole grains, eat a more plant-based diet, get all the bad fats out of your diet, eat some good fats each and every day. And oh, by the way, yes, the Women's Dietary Intake Study ties yogurt consumption to healthier body weights. We'll return with Ann Dietrich. Craig Winters joining us today. We'll talk about uh, labeling genetically modified food right here on Healthy Talk Radio, inviting you to join us at 800-307-3002. She scours six newspapers, every major medical journal, and dozens of websites every day. If it affects your health, you'll hear it from Deborah Ray. The opportunity to talk with you each and every week during this time about a very important issue. We are debuting the first of many series of shows focusing on not only the power of your plate, but um, are we making informed decisions when it comes to that food? We now know, uh, thanks to even government-funded studies, that that food is not the same as it was um, even 40 or 50 years ago. The nutrient content is certainly uh, not the same. And when it comes to conventional versus organic uh, farming, 
there are many issues for you and me as healthcare consumers to, uh, uh, with which to contend. No more confusing than the issue of genetically engineered foods. What are they? How do you know if, if you're eating them? Should you care? Does it not only affect our health, but does it potentially affect the health of the environment? We know of no better people than to set us straight than two very important guests who join us today. Uh, we start with Ann Dietrich, who is the executive director of the campaign to label genetically engineered foods. Uh, she has much expertise in this area, responsible for the uh, advertising, the subscription uh, sales for the organic and non-GMO report, the non-GMO source book. And Dietrich joining us today. And hello and welcome. Hi, Deborah. Nice to have you join us. Good. Thank you very much. And as well, we certainly have a, a very well-known and seasoned figure in the whole specter of making a difference when it comes to our health. He is the founder and president of a nonprofit political advocacy organization working to pass legislation to label genetically engineered foods. He is the founder and president of the campaign. He's Craig Winters who joins us today. Craig, nice to have you join us. Hello and welcome. Hi, Deborah. Well, Craig, set the stage for us. When we talk about genetically engineered foods, that's a mouthful for for many. And uh, with many people indicating in some of the most recent surveys that they were concerned about it, but not really knowledgeable in it, uh, what are we talking about? Help us to understand the term. Well, technically, it's a recombinant DNA splicing where you're taking the gene from one species and putting it into another one. Uh, the biotech industry likes to say we've been genetically engineering our foods for, for centuries, but uh, that's more the Luther Burbank type of hybridization that people are, are used to where you can combine things that are closely related and, and change the, the trait. But this is more radical, invasive-type technology where you actually force genes into other genes, and it's uh, it's not exactly the way uh, God intended it. So, Anne, um, you know, knowing that you're located in Isle, which many of us would consider, gee, I mean, that's, we think of agriculture in this country. Uh, trace for us, for, us, for us the origins of genetically engineered foods, if you would, please. Uh, I forget the exact year, Craig. Can you help me here? Um we would remember it anyway. That's okay. We just in the <laughs> we know, we know where, where did these come from? From the from the laboratory, from the big biotech companies that were looking to well, who eventually they've taken patents out on seeds and who ultimately now pretty much own the food supply. They the farmers whose time honored con- tradition was to save their seeds and develop their crops in the best way that suited their local laws of nature, they've surrendered this control completely over to the seed companies who now own their seed, own the patents, and own. And farmers have pretty much lost the right to farm the way they want to farm now. And this is happening not only in our country, but, well, we've been importing this policy and system to other countries, too, who are rejecting it. Well, we'll certainly delve into that in a little more detail. But, but Craig, when we talk about you know the dollars behind genetically engineered food, is is Anne has eloquently educated us. We're talking about big biotech companies, and with the food industry 
and their massive uh, you know budgets in terms of of advertising. I was just reading a figure the other day that was just you know forty billion dollars a year to influence our eating habits. Who who are these biotech companies? Who's behind genetically engineered foods? Well, the big number one is Monsanto. They they control almost ninety percent of it. Uh, then you have. Uh, Bear and DuPont, uh, there's just really a handful of companies, but uh, Monsanto is the big number one player, particularly with their Roundup Ready soybeans, which are dominating the entire soybean crop now in the United States. The vast majority of soybeans that people are eating, unfortunately, unless it's organically grown, are from Monsanto's Roundup Ready soybeans. So from your days, uh, and of actually owning and operating an organic uh, bakery and deli and catering business, you know, talk with us from, from your standpoint of, you know, when we go to a grocery store or a health food store, uh, you know, do, do we ever see a label for genetically engineered foods? Are they labeled at all? Um, at one of the companies I worked actually, there was a little can of, there's a can of tomatoes. I've seen, I think, I think they're relics. Because no company is going to put a label on their product that says contain G- contains GMOs or contains genetically modified ingredients. And wherever um, that has become the law of the land, where labeling laws have been required, as soon as those laws are passed, companies reformulate their products. They drop these ingredients from their products and... Then we don't grow, and then then these kind of things aren't grown. Is then the demand for them isn't there, and when the demand isn't there, then they won't be grown, and then they'll stop contaminating organics, and the food just grow naturally. So if we go in a grocery store right now, Craig, you know what what crops from genetically engineered food are we likely to find? Uh, in foods um, that Americans are consuming as we speak? Well, right now there's actually only five crops that are being genetically engineered, and those are the soy, the corn, uh, cotton, which isn't used too much in food, uh, canola, and papayas. Those are the, the dominant uh, crops right now that you're, you're seeing are genetically engineered. There's a number of other ones that have been approved, uh, sugar beets and some of these that might actually start, unfortunately, rearing their ugly head here in the next year or two if we don't get a little bit more active on some of these uh, these protests. But uh, as it sits right now, the dominant ones that you're finding in the grocery stores are going to be your corn products and your cotton product. I mean, your and your soybean products. So, you know, knowing that uh, organic is a uh, certainly a growing market trend um, and, and people you know waking up to the fact that when we take a look at you know labeling of our food, what does it tell us uh, and what doesn't it tell us as it now exists Anne? Well thanks Della. that's a really good question because I've always cooked for my family and I farmed in Iowa and I've just naturally gravitated towards fresh food. And now I'm noticing what my children are feeding their kids. And it seems that they've been gradually giving up their right to choose what's best for their family. And I think as a nation, we've surrendered control of our diet to the food industry. And there's a lot of people now that are working 
to reclaim this right to know what we're eating and you know making informed decisions and it is as you say just a matter of realizing that we do have this power and um Craig Winters and the campaign to label genetically engineered foods is a grassroots advocacy group to help us to tell our government what we want so that the government will then act on behalf of the best interests of the people, of the food, of the planet, and so forth. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But it provokes more questions, and we'll return uh, with the answers. Ann Dietrich joining us today, the executive director of the Campaign to Label Genetically Engineered Food. Delighted and honored to have Craig Winter back, founder and president of the campaign. We're talking about the power of our plate and the safety of the foods we consume. Inviting you to join us at 800-307-3002 on Healthy Talk Radio. You've discovered TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. Two very special guests joining us today to talk about an important topic. We were just speaking yesterday of the new research out of the Karolinska Institute in Sweden indicating um, that that diet that is part of a very simple five-point lifestyle plan that will reduce the incidence of heart attacks by 92% in women, that plant-based diet, But how do we make informed decisions about the foods that we purchase? That certainly is a complicating issue. Craig Winters joining us today. He's the founder and the president of a nonprofit political advocacy organization working to pass legislation to label genetically engineered foods, the campaign, thecampaign.org. We are honored as well to have Ann Dietrich, the executive director of the campaign to label genetically engineered foods, join us as well. We invite you to join us at 800 Three zero seven three zero zero two. Because Craig, you know, given the fact that you know we now read, I mean, statistics like, oh my goodness, you know, if, if we consume seafood along with um, our uh, plant-based diet, eighty-five percent is coming from from China. Um, you know, purchase honey. A lot of that comes from China. So, give us an overall specter in terms of labeling issues in this country. Because I think a lot of a lot more people are beginning to care about this. Right. Well, actually, there's only four countries that are at growing any significant acreage of genetically engineered crops. Although there's 22 countries that have some, but the four big players are the United States is number one, Argentina is number two, uh, Canada is number three, and China is number four. Uh, Brazil would come in and next at five, fifth, but that's quite a bit lower. But we are the big number one here. Uh, growing these crops, and we've been trying to more or less force feed them on the rest of the world, but they're not going along with it. As Ann said, there's labeling requirements all over the world, and as soon as those labeling requirements come in force, then the companies source out non-genetically engineered uh, ingredients. So that's the only reason that the rest of the world really isn't eating these crops is because of the labeling requirements. 
So if you take a look at, at government and government regulations and genetically engineered foods, give us an overview, Anne. Could you please repeat the question again? Sure. Give us an overview of, of government regulations in terms of, of genetically engineered foods, particularly focusing on labeling, if you would, please. Well, the rest, the United States is behind the eight ball on this because of the interest of the biotech companies in government and the revolving door policy between, you know, who's, who's making decisions. But in this company, there are in this country there are no labeling laws. In other countries, there are. There, in fact, Italy is actually starting a signature gathering campaign to do get two, three million signatures to ban genetically engineered foods in their country. Switzerland has banned genetically engineered foods in their comp- countries, and other countries like the European Union and Korea and Japan have laws governing these. In the United States. The USDA does not regulate GMOs, and not just the way we want them to, but they're really there. There isn't. It's pretty technical, and we have um, an attorney that's working with us, Steve Drucker, who actually filed a lawsuit against the USDA and succeeded in forcing the USDA to release documents documenting the whole history of how GMOs got introduced into our food supply and the whole intricacies of how the USDA has been or hasn't been um, tending to this issue and it has not had the best interests of the American of the of the health of the American people. I don't feel qualified to talk about all the facts involved in this because Steve and Steve is much better suited to talk about this. He's very uh, mild mannered soft spoken a very gentle person and he's basically sitting on one of the most explosive stories this country has ever seen so he's someone that is that we've invite that we're looking forward to um, c- coming on your show so he can speak for himself and really thoroughly delve into this on a very factual basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Craig, with, with all of your expertise for, for all of your years uh, working with Citizens for Health uh, uh, as well as the campaign, um, your your insight uh, in terms of you know, to, to whom's interests the, the Food and Drug Administration appears to be beholding regarding some of these basic food safety issues, particularly as it relates to genetically engineered foods. It, it, it certainly um, begs question uh, by many. Right. Well, there's, there's actually uh, three agencies that are involved in regulations of genetically engineered foods, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Environmental Protection Agency, and I think in particular the uh, Food and Drug Administration is the one who's really done uh, something that's so irresponsible that it's almost astonishing when you tell people what's really the status right now. If you're a biotech company and you're bringing a new genetically engineered product out to market, you're not even required to notify the Food and Drug Administration that you're bringing this product out. I mean, that just sounds almost unbelievable when you hear it, but that is the current state of affairs. Uh, back in 1994, they reviewed a tomato called the Flavor Saver Tomato, and based on their review of that one tomato, they decided that all other genetically engineered crops that come after them are therefore safe, and that tomato, which uh, Ann just made reference to indirectly with Steve Drucker's lawsuit, 
um, as you look into that, you'll find that not everybody at the FDA felt that that tomato was safe. There were some real concerns there. And, again, when Steve comes on the show, he can really get into de- in depth on that. But uh, to show you how irresponsible it is, it's like in the case of the Starling corn, which is this corn that was planted in the United States and contaminated the human food supply. It was found in over 300 products. The FDA was out of the loop on that, basically. It was the EPA who, when they were testing it to see what impact it might have on the environment, was the one that noticed that at human body temperature and human acidic levels in the gut, that it actually could cause allergic reactions. So it's really the gang that can't shoot straight when it comes to regulating these crops in the United States. Now, from from your passion for for the whole, um, you know, the whole topic, and um, you know, give us some some perspective of of you know what uh, studies have done, perhaps what studies haven't been done. You know, why is this there's growing concern about safety issues, uh, human and environmental, when it comes to genetically engineered foods? Okay, Deborah. Well, this discussion certainly begs the question, and. To tell you the truth, my passion is not for this subject. This subject makes me sick. I cannot, if I open up the books, there's a book called Genetic Roulette, which gives, describes in detail 65 documented studies on the health risks of genetically modified foods. And it's, it's, it's horrible. And, um, what I, my, my passion is for natural, whole, fresh, nourishing foods, everything that you stand for, everything that your show is advocating. And this is something that is, that is, this is one of the most profound violations of natural law there is. And the fact that our country and our, you know, industry has been getting away with it is irreprehensible. And the fact that the government has actually been involved in a certain degree of fraud in allowing this is, 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 unacceptable and these are things that have to be addressed if we're going to feed our children a you know a healthy diet if we're going to nourish ourselves nourish our bodies like everything that you're trying everything that you stand for this cannot go on because it's the right now genetic engineering is the biggest threat to organic agriculture because corn cross pollinates the pollen from corn can travel miles and soybeans, although they don't cross-pollinate, they, the contamination occurs in transit, in storage. And um, these things are real threats. And the other thing that really concerns me is the, the proposal to genetically modify, not proposal, but the genetically modified sugar, which would make it practically impossible to avoid genetically modified foods. And... Over, there's been studies that show that over 60% of Americans don't even think they're eating it. Which is pretty amazing to, to, to all of us. Uh, Considering but, that 60% or more of our processed food contains GMOs. And I don't want to go into the health risk myself because I get sick talking about it, but there's people that are eminently qualified to talk about it. There has been studies on this. There's been no... There has been no study, well, I don't want to, there, help me out, because I want to be accurate in what well, I say. Well, no, there's no human feeding studies done. There's been actually one that was done on uh, people who had had colostomies where they intersect the food in mid-digestion, and they found that 
the the DNA had transferred over, and this is something that the biotech industry said would not happen. But uh, uh, yeah, definitely Jeffrey Smith's book, uh, Genetic Roulette, and his Seeds of Deception are the two books that go better into anything about the numerous uh, health concerns over these over these products. So where we stand in terms of, of going forward, you know, why the uh, the campaign, Craig? Uh, you know, fill us in because obviously uh, uh, this has been not only your professional, I suspect your, your personal passion because of you know the, the length of time, you know, the hours you have devoted to this. Right, uh, as you know, Deborah, because you've been in the industry, natural products industry, uh, a long time too. You watched us during the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act actually yeah. move that legislation through Congress in just a couple of years, but it's been a, a rough challenge here trying to get the the Genetically Engineered Food Right to Know Act passed through Congress. Uh, we have a great opportunity right now with the presidential election, and we've actually been fairly successful in the last um, couple of weeks here of getting Hillary Clinton and John Edwards and uh, Governor Richardson and Senator Dodd to all agree, along with Senator uh, House Representative Kucinich, uh uh, Representative Kucinich to agree to labeling. So that's kind of our short-term strategy right now is to try to get all these presidential candidates to sign on. But ultimately, we need to still pass the bill through Congress. It's just that if we get all the presidential candidates on board, then it's going to be easier to get it through Congress when the uh, when the Congress in, in 2009 convenes. And that, of course, is eye-opening to, to many of us. And to think, you know, who who holds the power over this, and, and to you know, to whom do they answer? Well, actually, to us, we do. We do hold the power, and government does answer to the people. Government doesn't really lead. Governments are representatives. They're an innocent reflection or a mirror of the collective consciousness. And from my experience, what and the reason I'm so enthusiastic about the campaign to label genetically engineered foods is because I feel like this is what people want. People would rather err on the side of safety, and they, and as Americans, we really care about our freedom, and the right to know what we're eating is one of the most fundamental freedoms that we have in this country. And if you take a look at at other country models, Craig, um, for people who have perhaps missed the press, Tell us about, you know, for example, Europe's uh, uh, opinion about genetically engineered crops. Well, they've been long opposed to them, and it's really interesting to see how rapidly that decision came about. It was only 1996 that the first commercially grown genetically engineered crops were planted in this country. That was when they planted the first commercial soy and corn. And right away, Europe started objecting to it, and there was a doctor over there, Dr. Puthtai, who was doing research, and uh, I won't go into the long detail on that, but he got fired, and it meant it got on the front page of all the newspapers. And so that really caused uh, public awareness to take place over in Europe, where virtually everybody over in Europe knew about genetically engineered crops and were opposing them. Where over here, as Anne pointed out, you've got the vast majority of people who don't even know they've eaten it, and indeed most people who have eaten any processed foods with corn or soy, which is you know just about anybody who's not eating an all-organic all diet, have been eating this stuff, so we really are quite ignorant. But over there, it's funny when we're doing 
booths and, and uh, somebody from Europe comes by our booth and goes, oh, wow, I'm glad you're here talking about this because nobody in the United States seems to have any clue about these products. And it's, it's really amazing how we've kept the American public in the dark about this giant feeding experiment that they've all been a part of. So knowing that, uh, as you indicate, Anne, it, it not only has you know potential effects on human health, um, you know because you're you know very familiar with the Iowa area from from your your own prefer- professional expertise, you know what does it potentially mean to the environment as well? It it is the worst case scenario for the environment that we've that we've ever, that we can conceive of. Even nuclear waste, like the nuke, the time, the half lives of nuclear waste eventually die out. But genetic engineering is irreversible and permanent c- corruption of a species. It would end, and Andy Kimbrell of the Center for Food Safety called, said it will end nature as we know it. Even if, even if life, even if we, all life was obliterated, right. it would grow back. But once the DNA of a species or an organism is changed, it p- reproduces ad infinitum in And hold that thought. We'll pick it up when we return with Ann Dietrich joining us today on Healthy Talk Radio. Consolidate your health care information and get everything you need from one source. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. We're talking about making informed decisions uh, about the food that we purchase and uh, you know how we shop and and buy food with Ann Dietrich joining us today the executive director of the campaign to label genetically engineered foods Craig Winter joins us as well the founder and president of the campaign working to pass legislation to label genetically engineered foods we leave you with a website which is the campaign Dot org, thecampaign.org. And let's go to the, uh, the phone, say hello and welcome to Deborah. You're on the air with Ann Dietrich and Craig Winters, Deborah. Hi, I don't think the American people realized how important this is. When our bodies eat something that it's not real food, I don't think it recognizes it, knows what to do with it, or if it nourishes us. And so many of the people that used to work for Monsanto now work for the FDA and approve what they to the FDA. The other thing is, Clarence Thomas, who is now on the Supreme Court, used to be a Monsanto lawyer. I mean, that to me is scary, that our government is basically run by a big business. We appreciate your, your comments, Deborah. Do you have a, a question for uh, Craig or for Ann for today? No, I just wish the American people would wake up to what they're really eating. And your comments here? Well, thanks, Deborah. Thanks, Deborah. That's why we need labeling. And there's one thing I want to say before we go off the air, because I, ca- I can read this. I can't talk about it very well. But there's plenty of studies that have documented that um, on – all right, there's studies documenting damage to virtually every system and organ studied in am- lab animals, thousands of sick, sterile, or dead livestock, and research around the world which has traced toxic or allergic act reactions to eating GE products, breathing GE pollen, or touching GE crops at harvest. And we're starting to expose many of the incorrect assumptions that were used to support GE approvals, but the bottom line is that these foods have not been, um, they're not, we don't know that they're safe. And Craig, our call to action from here. 
Well, people can visit our website and, and make some uh, waves there with the presidential candidates. We've got a real great window of opportunity right now. This is the time when they're running for the primaries, when they're most susceptible to the influence of, of uh, the, the consumers out there who are considering voting for them. So uh, definitely uh, make sure you visit our website and uh, make your voice be heard. Excellent information. Deborah, we appreciate your, your, your call today. Craig, and please come back again. Thank you both very much. Okay, thanks a lot. If you missed anything, you heard the website, thecampaign.org, how critical this issue is to make informed decisions about what we eat and, of course, what that means to our health, the health of the environment. If you missed anything, join us online, healthytalkradio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy.